besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. Solar panels work in winter. Solar energy output in Australia throughout winter is surprisingly high in some cities. You can learn more about better solar energy at B-Solar. Visit b.solar to learn more. GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. Welcome to the First Serve, your home of tennis. It certainly is a big hello and welcome everyone. Brett Phillips with you again for another week covering the world of tennis and the invitation. Well, it's always there for you to join me. one 736 736 That's the number to dial. You can get on the text tonight, the Tennis Direct text, 0433981116. Of course, it's always great to have Tennis Direct on board. Been with us for a while. Australia's favourite online tennis store, fast delivery, great prices, free delivery if you order upwards of $150.00. Shops to your heart's content tonight. Tennisdirect.com.au. Use that promo code FIRSTSERVE10. Coming up tonight on the B-Solar menu, your calls. Young Aussie making her way in. Rasheen Gilhini. Data analyst Shane Lena. She's at the WTA finals. James Duckworth. A subject of much discussion in the last seven days. Plenty of tennis news bubbling around. Weigh in one 736 736 or text 0433 98 11 16. Well, for those of you that have been listening in the last couple of weeks, the standard of tennis coaching has been a topic of discussion from some correspondence that was sent in a fortnight ago to your feedback, which we read out at the start of the show last week. It's an emotive topic, and since our show last Monday... I tuned in to Hit Local Play Global, which is the Tennis Victoria podcast with recent guest uh, Glenn Busby, who caught up with uh, Paul Aitken, who's been a long-time co-host on this show. For Busby, a lifetime in tennis, a big resume as a player, still playing, leading senior worldwide, winning all sorts of awards year on year. Long-time coach for the last 20 years, heading up the Kuyong International Tennis Academy, I just thought it was worth playing this little slab of his 50-minute podcast around his thoughts on coaching here in Australia. I think today when we look at coaches today, there's some disappointment and and there's also the the opposite. But, you know, I've had coaches who from internationally that come and work with me that have done their three-, four-year degree over in Europe. And it's almost compulsory before you can then go and specialise in tennis after that. So, you know, learning about how the body moves, what are the energy systems, you know, the psychology of sport, uh, the physiology of sport, you know, kinesiology of of, of which movements go where. It's like today... A lot of times the coaches will perhaps play on tour, be a player, their memories of what they were brought up as from their tennis coach. And then they go into a course and sometimes it only takes a a weekend or two weekends to do and and then you're out coaching. And I suppose I love seeing the growth of people. And unfortunately, you know, there's not happening probably as much as what I would love to uh, see it happen so that we become the forefront of tennis rather than, I, I guess... 
restricted in, in what we can really offer players. And, and I, again, as I think the most important for me is growth. It's like, how do I keep learning? How can I keep improving? How can I keep imparting knowledge to players and perhaps to other coaches that you've got to make them better? It's been really, really important. Probably in every one of those centres, I started off with probably one or two, maybe five kids, and then grew them into, and that was the thing that I loved doing, is not going to a centre that's got 200 players and developing that way. For me, it was all about, okay, starting from a real low base and I intentionally did that where it went and trying to really grow it into something that was totally different and really trying to promote the club really develop the club so they had a lot of young teams pennant teams and there were so many good players that came out of these environments that you don't necessarily get from other bigger clubs necessarily you know I learned a lot in these times uh, and that was where I did my, probably my real big growth learning how to coach and we also had state squads at these centres and I remember vividly doing the state squads of Uban tennis and, and there were so many good players to come out of the, this, these particular squads that we did and I think for me personally I think that's where it should be going back to not being centralised but being out into the clubs so that the members get to see the talent developing and evolving and seeing what is actually happening for the future when they're all in at one big centre in Melbourne Park I don't think the local members get to see what is actually happening and, and who is out there and the talent and actually getting them to play for the local club I think is really really important so yeah look I love those times and certainly over a long period of time that there was a lot of play that came out of those facilities at that time. Andrew Whittington, you know, had Andrew from Seven. Very interesting. I don't think you mind me saying all these things, but Andrew from Seven, he ended up being at about 16, I think in the top three or four in the world in the ITFs. He had a single-handed backhand at that stage, amazing talent. Went on to Tennis Australia program and got changed into a two-handed backhand and it never really came back from that. Andrew was a player that ended up coming... Uh, well, I suppose he got lost in four or five years. He was working in that program and travelling with Tennis Australia. And at about maybe 21, he came back and he was about 600 in the world. In the next two or three years, he got down to 150. Now, Andrew was a player that had so, so much talent. So that is Glenn Busby, uh, well-regarded coach down at Kuryong, lifetime in tennis. Great podcast. If you want to listen to the full version of that, uh, at uh, Tennis Victoria, you can uh, subscribe to their Hit Local Play Global podcast. And a discussion that is open for you to contribute anytime. one 736 736 or on the text 04339811116 if you want to send me some longer-form correspondence throughout the week at the first serve SEN at gmail.com. Let's get into our tour wrap. Uh, thanks to Yonex, celebrating 75 years performance product crafted in Japan. Check out their latest range at yonex.com. We've got to start in Paris. Yet more history for Novak Djokovic. A record-breaking 37th Masters 1000 title. A sixth trophy here in Paris. The game plan, the execution was spot on today. A wonderful battle, a wonderful occasion between the two best players in the world. The year-end number one ranking secured. 2015, it took him. He comes through, 4-6, 6-3, 6-3. He certainly did, Novak Djokovic. He came through to beat Daniil Medvedev. And we'll hear a bit of Novak in uh, just a moment. Of course, they met in the Australian Open final, the US Open final. 
And now they are creating some sort of rivalry. Early days, still a lot more matches to be played compared to the great rivalries that he has with uh, Roger and uh, Rafa. Uh, we haven't seen him uh, for a little while, obviously, since uh, the US Open. But Djokovic, uh, very keen, of course, to finish the year strong. Seventh year, he ends the year as world number one, eclipsing a man he idolised in Pete Sampras. He just continues to break records. 37, as mentioned in the commentary, Masters 1,000 victories. And for those who didn't see uh, the final overnight, 19 of 22 net points won for Djokovic. He actually made 17 other attempts to serve volley, landed a fault. Who said serve and volley was uh, totally dead? It's a myth. Novak Djokovic, it was uh, very eye-catching. Uh, he's branded tennis uh, overnight. Let's have a listen to Novak having a chat to the Tennis Channel and a, a special edition. He had his two young kids there to watch uh, Dad play. Novak, you shared such a beautiful moment with your family. Not all of the greats in the sport are fortunate enough to have their children watch their greatness. So how, how special is that for you? Very special. Very special. Very grateful and blessed to, to have this opportunity and... Uh, Actually, that was one, it's one of the biggest reasons why I keep on playing because I, I, I always dreamed of having my children uh, on the stands, them being uh, old enough to... to <laughs> oh, my God, look at that. So hug. adorable. I, I mean, this is, this is what life is all about, you know, sharing these moments with uh, the dear ones and uh, my children are my, my greatest success, my greatest treasure and... Uh, don't know. I'm just overwhelmed with the uh, beautiful emotions having them on the court today and uh, them supporting me. It's, it just brings brings love and joy to, to my life. Uh, Novak, before I let you go, lastly, uh, there's been a lot of talk about the high quality of matches with you and Daniel. You guys split a couple of big ones. Now, of course, this was an absolute thriller. Uh, how important was it for you just in the terms of playing against Daniel? Well, it's, it's developing into a great rivalry. I mean, especially this year, we played three finals, Australian Open, uh, US Open, and here in Paris. Uh, I mean, all three matches were thrilling matches, and we push each other to the limit. You know, it's, it's, it's something similar to what I've been feeling over the last 15 years with uh, Nadal and Federer in our rivalries. Uh, Medvedev is such a different player from Nadal and Federer, so... You know, it takes adjustments and it takes time to... The more we play, the more I understand what I need to do to win against him. Uh, but again, he keeps on improving. He's someone that is very committed, very devoted to this sport. I, I see the amount of uh, time he spends uh, trying to perfect his game. He's a very intelligent guy in general. And we, we get along very well. So I think it's, it's important for the sport that there is another rivalry other than, you know, the, the big four guys, so to say. And... Uh, uh, Daniil Zverev, um, you know, Tsitsipas, Dominic Team, those are the biggest names of our sport uh, in the future, uh, no doubt about it. You know, Roger, Rafa, myself, we still try to keep up with these guys, but uh, it's inevitable that they're going to take over, and it's just about the time. It's, a, it's, it's just a question of time. It's probably going to be somewhere between 15, the next 15, 20 years. <laughs> I like that, I like that. <laughs> Oh, joking aside, of course, it's it's coming it's coming soon. I mean, they're already you know winning slams, but uh, us three, you know, we're gonna, I'm sure we're gonna give our best to uh, delay that a little bit. And oh yes, Michael Venus won the doubles with Tim Putz of Germany. 
Well done, Michael. I was with Johnny Pearce for a little while earlier this year. Some Novak reflection into a bit of uh, Michael Venus uh, winning the doubles at the ATP Masters 1000 in Paris. Harry, he's up in Belmore in New South Wales. He's given us a call. Welcome to the show, Harry. Hello, boy. Uh, look, I heard you say Novak Djokovic would have been the second player to do the Grand Slam. Uh, Lou Hode in 55 won the Australian, French and Wimbledon, but got beat by Roseville in the US Open. Yes. He would have been the second. Very close. Now, you talk about coaching. Mm. When I got coached, it was five shillings an hour. Harry, how much is five shillings today? What would that be Uh, worth? 50 cents. Big payday. Yeah, and then uh, $1.25 or 12 and 6 and the coach even took the sixpence. You did it for it love. Was very good in Sydney Banks down. But at 15, I didn't need any more coaching. I was a good mate of Fred Stolly's and that, you know. Yeah, very we nice. We had to work as well. Indeed. Harry, I always like you going down memory lane. You call in any time. Because you take us back to an era, well, I certainly wasn't born, but people can certainly associate with. Thank you, uh, Harry, in Belmore in New South Wales, listening in on the Crystal Clear SENF. Billy Jean King Cup, nice performance by Australia to make the semi finals, particularly minus Ash Barty. We had Storm Sanders on this show, what, about three or four weeks ago, reflecting on her year. She qualified for the French, lost to Elise Mertens. In the opening round, could have almost taken the first set, lost at 6-4. Well, she got another opportunity to play Elise Mertens, and she beat her. Not just beat her, 6-love in the third set. Hopefully that really inspires Storm now to take the next step. She's got the game. We discussed that with her. She's had a, a huge rise this year. The next step is to get inside the top 100. And great to see Daria Gavrilova back. I mean, she is a terrific competitor, Dasha. Needs her wheels. They've alluded her with the Achilles. It's been tough to get back from injury, but great to see her get a win. Hopefully Ash Barty will be back next year, 15th, 16th of April. That's the Easter weekend. We're drawn to play Slovakia, venue state to be determined here in Australia, and hopefully Australia can qualify for the finals again uh, next year. On the Australian front, Alexander Vukic, runner-up in Charlottesville at about 170. Had a good week, but no match for Stefan Kozlov. He's had a couple of great weeks. Now, he leads the race for the American wildcard for the Australian Open. So, big chance. Um, Lee, too. He's won again, 42-5 and five since he departed Australian shores in about mid to late August. He won his second 25K. He's won two 15K ITF events. He's tracking beautifully. And Alicia Smith, I want to give a shout-out to Alicia. We've been covering Alicia on our socials for a few weeks. She's had a couple of tough years being off the court with injury. She won her first ever title in Italy, the 15K there. So some of the results certainly going around. Make sure you check out Wilson Sporting Goods, whose vision is for better world through sport, a better world through sport. Head over to au.wilson.com to access all Wilson products to get back out on court. And for all of you out there, you get that nice 15% off your order. First serve, one five is the code you need to punch in. Wilson, creating products for you to live like an athlete. Plenty more to come. We'll pull apart James Duckworth next. Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With B-Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a B-Solar advisor. Visit b.solar to learn more. GLG Greenlight Group. 
leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back to The First Serve. Brett Phillips tonight. Always great to talk the world of tennis every Monday night. If you miss us live, you can catch up. Subscribe to The First Serve through your preferred podcast platform or check out thefirstserve.com.au. Eric, I was going to mention uh, your email or your text right off the top of the show. And do you know what I actually, uh, I was just saying to uh, Rod on the panel, I actually forgot to bring a whole handful of notes <laughs> tonight, so I'm on the fly. Uh, Brett Phillips, thank you for mentioning my full name. Uh, this is what I mentioned last week. Love your tennis show. Why can't the first serve be on for two hours? There's nothing important after it anyway. Hope this show can be on from 8 till 10pm every Monday. This is the best show. Maybe I should contact SEM Management to uh, make comment or feedback. Uh, so do you have any news if the World Tennis Challenge is coming back? Uh, not next year, I would suggest, uh, if it's in Adelaide. I wouldn't suggest it's going to be next year, Eric. Sydney International, I believe, is still in the frame, but we're all in this holding pattern waiting. I know I'm going to Sydney for the ATP Cup. Likely there's going to be a 250 of sorts after the ATP Cup, but we're waiting. Also is Roger Federer. I think I answered this on our socials, actually. You might not have seen this. Uh, Roger Federer, it seems like he's still in the frame. I'd be highly surprised if he played the Australian Open. Juan Martin Del Potro, don't know as well. He's been hitting for a little while. We saw him at the US Open having a little bit of a hit and a, and a chat on ESPN. Favourites of Eric. Now, Eric, how do I answer this uh, succinctly? So we have an hour. During the slams, we have an hour and a half show, which will continue into 2022. There's no doubt we could produce two hours of tennis. Uh, But without boring you with all the details, uh, that comes at a little bit of a cost as well. So without spelling all the mass out to you, it's uh, tough for us probably to be on two hours uh, every week. Uh, but if you want to have a chat to management about it, go for your life. I'd be happy to sit here and talk tennis because I'm trying to jam about three hours worth of uh, news uh, into an hour every uh, Monday night. So, Eric, I do uh, certainly appreciate your text. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. if you want to talk some tennis. We're going to get into the uh, James Duckworth situation in, uh, in just a tick. Uh, but I'd love to get your calls, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 James is in uh, Geelong. Uh, James, thanks for calling. Oh, good day, Brett. How are you? Very good, thank you. Listen, I just uh, want to express my frustration with the, uh, the commentary and the collective mindset in relation to the COVID policy that looks like being enforced at the Australian Open and that will prevent uh, its uh, greatest champion from, uh, from competing. I doubt very much whether he will compromise unless... The authorities here are prepared to compromise, but the commentary seems misplaced. Everyone seems to think that it's about us as a community and what we've been through, and because we've been through a hard time, uh, the uh, tennis players of the world should uh, submit to uh, inoculation. Uh, and I don't think there's any science to support that. Uh, you know, inoculations to is to protect the person who is inoculated, and uh, Novak has. Uh, antibodies already that he's uh, protected he's prepared no doubt to mm. quarantine mm. maybe he and medvedev could uh, uh rent nights uh property and tour act together but it's just to deprive us uh, of uh his uh, uh talents and uh, potential history and uh, the great rivalry rivalry that's developing between yep. Medvedev and uh, Djokovic. Good on you, James. I appreciate your call. I mean, we're all waiting. Uh, Tennis Australia's gone very quiet. Obviously, uh, they're speaking to government, state, federal, trying to bed all this down. 
I'm hearing little snippets. So I've been told uh, I'm going to be required for the ATP Cup. That appears to be in Sydney. So they're trying to confirm the lead-ups. But also, yeah, what, what are the entry requirements, uh, visa requirements to get in the country? Uh, is there going to be any uh, scope for unvaccinated tennis players to uh, to get here? We still don't know. We're waiting. We're just uh, we're waiting to hear. I, I would, as I said previously, I'd be totally surprised if Novak Djokovic didn't play the Australian Open. So in saying that, I, I think some situation will be set up to accommodate maybe those. And I think it'll only be a small minority of it is. I know that won't please everyone out there. I don't want to really get into an hour of this, but I think there'll be some scenarios set up that may allow uh, a small handful who don't want to get vaccinated or not prepared to declare their vaccination uh, status to actually play the Australian Open. John's on the road. Uh, John, you are the number one man for Yannick Sinner. Hey, how are you, buddy? Good, John. What do you got? Uh, look, mate, I was just really, really bitterly disappointed. Um, I watched him. I can't remember the tournament just before the Masters in Paris. Um, he was going for 15 matches in a row on in indoors. Yeah, Vienna. And he, yep. played, he played at Tiafo, and he was absolutely destroying him. And then Tiafo started doing it, just went for broke, and everything that that guy hit went in. Started doing a bit of jovial stuff. He started. He went a bit too far, in my opinion. He's throwing himself on the floor and high five in the crowd, jumping in the crowd, you know, which is okay for a little bit. But he went way over the top, you know, and he just put him completely off. He's only young, and he was up six three, three love, and forty love to go to four love, and all of a sudden, Tiafoe just started hitting winners from all over the court. And, and then I thought, oh, he'll recover for this. He'll, he'll do well in the Masters. And then he plays Alcaraz in the Masters. And I don't think that boy could ever play as good as what he did against Sinner in that match. No, that's uh, you know? that, that's true. Good on you, John. I, I appreciate the call. I mean, I think every week there's sort of new storylines with all these young guys. Uh, they're having their sort of moments in the sun. And, you know, some of them have climbed the ladder a lot quicker than what we would have imagined. And there's going to be a little stalling period. They're going to maybe drop a couple of pegs back and rise. So I think it's a great crop coming forward, and they're all still developing. They're developing on the run, but they've got some freakish uh, talent. John, I thank you for your call as always. Billy in Ascot Vale. G'day, Billy. Yeah. Hi, Brett. How are you? Good, thank you. That's good. Brett, just uh, two quick things. Yeah, I think, look, Australian Open this year is going to be um, a lot better than last year, but if you're still missing your top players, it does take the sting out of it a bit. And secondly, Storm Sanders, has she finally found her niche now and and really going to have a powerful end of the year and maybe hopefully give us a success at the Australian Open. I, I know she's been around for a while, but sort of a good doubles player and I hear about things, play, but I just think she's finally found her form now to really maybe rank up the rankings a little bit. I don't think she'll be ever number one, but I do think that she's definitely improved as a people's player. Well, see, she certainly uh, should aspire, absolutely aspire to be inside the top 100 because she's got the game that is uh, capable of getting inside. How far... She can progress between 50 and 100 as a starting point. There's still a long way to go. I mean, even to get from 130 to 100 has been a major stumbling block for a lot of players because you're running into some better players and the margins are pretty small and so many players get stuck in that region uh, between 100 and 150 in the rankings and can't get out. So Storm's got the firepower, lefty. uh, She's got the game. She can get forward comfortably. She's played a lot of doubles. And I really hope that, um, you know, the upside is there for Storm because she's built a terrific uh, foundation uh, this year, there's no doubt.
I reckon what we'll do is squeeze a little break in. We'll come back. I do want to touch on the James Duckworth situation. Roisin Gehlini and also Shane Leonage are still to come. one 736 736 or on the text tonight, 433 98 Go shopping at Tennis Direct, tennisdirect.com.au right now. Get that 10% discount. Use the promo code FIRSTSERVE10. Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With B-Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a B-Solar advisor. Visit B.Solar to learn more. GLG Greenlight Group, leaders in property services and open space management. And glgcorp.com, the first serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back to the first serve. More of your calls in just a tick. But just a few weeks ago, the annual uh, Tennis Victoria Awards were held and a 16-year-old was named the Female Junior Athlete of the Year. From one Victoria to another, hello. Congratulations to tonight's finalist. Keep up the hard work. I'm excited to announce that 2021 Female Junior Athlete of the Year is Roisin Gillini. Congratulations, Roisin. Indeed, as announced by the two-time Australian Open champion Victoria Azarenka, if you don't mind. Roisin Gilhini comes from a tennis family She's one young Aussie who, as she will explain, has been able to go and travel all of this year. Back in 2019, she won the Victorian Junior Clay Court Championships. Over the weekend, I caught up with the Tennis Victoria Junior Female Athlete of the Year. Yeah, I've been so lucky that I've been able to travel and compete here in Europe. Obviously, because if I stayed in Australia, I wouldn't have competed at all. So it's been amazing just being able to travel around and actually get some competition. So tell us how it sort of got to that stage because it was sort of a difficult period through COVID when it struck in March of last year. A lot of young Australian players stranded at home, obviously with the border situation here, not able to compete and play junior tournaments around Australia. So how did it get to a stage where you could go overseas and, and compete? I had planned to come over here last year and we actually went into lockdown like two weeks before I was supposed to leave and I actually couldn't get out of the country to leave because you had to get permission from the government and obviously I live in Melbourne so I wouldn't have played for at least six months last year and I just knew that it was never going to work and it was probably going to be the exact same this year so I just kept on applying to get the permit to leave the country because I knew I was never going to compete and train continuously in Melbourne. I just tried as hard as I could to get out really. (laughs) And you've done well. I mean, you've played a lot in Egypt, Greece. You've won your first junior singles title this year. You've won three doubles titles. And we find you at the uh, Soto Tennis Academy, which is in in Spain, which must be a a beautiful place to train and, and sort of base yourself. So tell us a bit about this year and what were the expectations coming in of what you wanted to try and achieve? I didn't really have that many expectations but my I did set a goal my goal was to be 500 ITF juniors by the end of the year so I only played my first ITF this year in April or something and that was in the Canary Islands and that was the first like international tournament I played in since 2019 or something and then I just continuously traveled I think I went to Egypt next and that was a big eye-opener like just traveling to those countries it was so cool I went to Tarragona place near Barcelona and I think that's where I won my first title in doubles and then I got to the final in Egypt in doubles I think I went to Greece and I won I won a trophy every week in Greece I spent three weeks there and I honestly had the best time like it was incredible I never expected to do anything like that my goal was honestly just to get to like 
quarters or semis or something just because the the competition level over here is crazy like the girls will honestly do anything to win it's very different over here but I love it I was going to ask you about that because I mean this is one of the most competitive sports in the world I mean more and more countries now are unearthing tennis players like you'll look at the schedule for the day and you'll think what is that country in brackets and they're now producing their players. So the depth is there. Tell us about what that is like competing against that international talent and what you've learned. And I imagine you also form some friendships along the way. I mean, it's a big tennis universe out there and you, you meet some fantastic people. I would say the biggest thing for me is that everyone over here is just so like mentally strong. Like no one ever gives up. Everyone just fights their hardest until the end. Whereas back home, it's very different. Like the mindset is very different back home. So yeah, I think that's the one big thing I've learned. But yeah, they'll just do anything to win really. So I'm keen to ask you about that because the Australian way is to compete and fight and I mean Australians are sort of admired if you think about our players on the ATP tour and the WTA tour they're admired for their how competitive they are. Honestly nothing like it over here <laughs> like I thought everyone was so competitive back home until I came here and like they will literally like cheat until they die to win especially like the Eastern Europeans <laughs> they're just crazy and like they'll the tactics and like all the things they'll do to try to put you off like it's just another level obviously I think we've known this about tennis for a little while I mean for a lot of players that perhaps have come from not as good an upbringing as what Australian kids get tennis is a way out isn't it to a, a better life whereas for Australian kids I mean you, you come through you, you sort of play a few different sports then you might venture down the path of one sport but I mean I've always been fascinated about that because if you look at players sort of technically and the way they play, it's hard to sort of spot the differences, but that mentality, you said, is what separates. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Also, they just go day in, day out every day. Like, they all train twice a day and they go to the gym every day. Like, it's just completely different. It's like when I came here, I couldn't believe how much I was training <laughs> just because, like, it's just normal here. So where do you think you're at now? Like, having all this experience that you've talked about this year, the success that you've had, do you now feel even more confident? Gee, I can make a really good fish to this. It's a long way to go. It's a big journey. And who knows where you land in this big tennis ecosystem, if you like. And there's, uh, as I said, a fair, fair way to go. But do you feel you can walk away from this year going, I'll now know what I've got to do to go to the next level? Yeah, definitely. I think this year's given me a lot of confidence, being a big eye-opener as to, like, all the sacrifices and everything I'll need to do to make it to the next level. So take us inside your game a little bit. How do you like to play the game? So I've got to be honest, I haven't obviously seen you play and I'm keen to get an idea of the way you like to play the game. I love to smack the ball. <laughs> love just serve and forehand, serve plus one and that's it. And obviously that was really tough for me when I came over here because the girls just get the ball back and back and back and it always comes back, especially on the clay here, like pretty slow so they can get to the balls. Whereas like, I just like to hit a winner off the second ball or something. So I've had to learn to like keep my tolerance and like be a lot more patient. But yeah, I'm definitely a first strike player. And I love coming into the net. Which is great. I think that's the sort of tennis we, we love seeing. And you need to be that all-court player, don't you? You need to be able to have that variety and be able to adjust even within a, a point. Is there players that you've loved to watch across your young years growing up that you think, gee, I love the way they play the game? Love watching Ash. I think also because she's Australian. I mean, that's a big factor, obviously, but I just love the way she plays. And yeah. also I love watching Andrescu. I love watching her as well. Just her game stuff. She competes. <laughs> She's always in a, in a dogfight in her matches, there's no doubt. So tell us a bit about who's around you. I mean, obviously, your, your parents have played a, a huge part, like all tennis parents do, to give you the opportunity. But, but who's sort of on the road with you? Tell us about some of the people that are pretty important in this tennis journey for you. My parents have made this all possible for me to be here, but so sort of on a 
honestly been amazing. Like their program is so individualized. So like I, I leave next Friday for Israel for two weeks and it's just me and a coach, my own coach. And I travel with him most places. That's Mike Digby. So I travel, where did I go with him? I went to Egypt with him for two weeks and now we're going to Israel. I mean, I got COVID about two months ago, yeah. uh, like two days after we got back from Egypt and I got really sick with that. So this is only going to be my first tournament back. Yeah, the team here is amazing. Everyone at the academy is one big family and everyone just looks out for each other. So it's really good. Going forward, do you feel like this is important for your growth? Are you going to be based overseas? You have to have some sort of base. It's just too hard coming back and forth from Australia. Yeah, I would love being at home. Like I miss home so much. I haven't been home since February, but... It's just so far away to travel to these tournaments over here. Like it's such a long journey. And also like at the academy here, I'm always going to get like the training and everything I need. And like, it's always sunny here, really. So whereas back home, like, it's a lot tougher, I think, to get like all the training you need and stuff like that. So around playing tennis, how are you combining an education, schooling? How how does that all work? I did the distance education virtual school Victoria system until mid this year. I transferred to the American online schooling system just because it's a lot easier. Like I find their program a lot easier to deal with, with time management, because I was really struggling to get like all the work I needed to get done in the week. You have to submit X amount of assignments on Friday. Whereas with the American online schooling system, you can like pace yourself. It's just a lot easier. What do you love most about tennis? What's the thing that made you gravitate to tennis as a sport? I mean, I always watched it growing up, like as a young kid, because my brother played it. And I always just loved like how it's not just the same thing. Like it's so different every match. Like every ball you play, it's going to be different. And like, you've always got to compete so hard. I just love like competing, I think. I think you've either got that or you haven't. It's part of your DNA. I mean, the the big picture, I mean, obviously you're in the present of just trying to establish yourself. But what are are the dreams? What are the aspirations? At the moment, I hope to go pro like before I and not go to college. I mean, I've still got like two years of high school left. So I've still got quite a while and I'm like taking all the subject, the right subjects to still get into college and stuff like that. Because I still want to keep that as an option. Yeah, I would say my big goal is to be like top hundreds and like making a living out of it. Well, we're going to follow your journey. It's, it's great to have a chat on the back of you being announced by Victoria Azarenka as the uh, uh, female junior athlete of the year for, uh, for Tennis Victoria. And just as a final word, you're also connected with uh, the great Kuyong Lawn Tennis Club the spiritual home of Australian tennis just down the road from us uh, here. And just tell us a bit about Kuyong and, and their support through their foundation. Yeah, their foundation is amazing. It's honestly helped me so much. And just the club in general, it's like another family to me, just like Soto. Loved being there since I was young. So I've kind of grown up there as well. I'm actually like pretty sad that I can't be this year for the be there this year for the Premier League. I would have loved to be there. I hope the girls do really well and win it this year. Well, when you come back, you'll notice all the renovations that have taken place, which has just taken uh, the venue to another level, uh, which is fantastic. Rasheen, thank you for talking to us. Really, really appreciate it. Good luck on the journey and we'll keep in touch. Thank you so much. Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With B-Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a B-Solar advisor. Visit b.solar to learn more. GLG Greenlight Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. James Duckworth, we haven't forgotten. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. But the WTA finals 
Get underway in Guadalajara, Mexico this week. The best eight singles players and the eight doubles pairings of this year. No Ash Barty, as we know. There will be Sam Stoza. Shane Leonage, closely connected to this program from data-driven sports analytics, has made the long haul from Melbourne, part of Team Sabalenka, doing all the data analytics. We had a chat earlier, all thanks to Tennis Rehab, uh, combining great tennis coaching, accommodation, local wine and food and other tourist attractions. All tennis lessons are run by either the club professionals or qualified coaches whose aim is simply to send you home an improved player. Make sure you check out this week, tennisrehab.com.au. Shane Leonash. Yeah, it's a, it's a big adjustment, a bit jet-lagged. But, yeah, the wet weather's 25-plus every day. Yeah, it's, a, it's very different. You feel the altitude. Had, had a slight headache yesterday. Uh, sort of acclimatising now, but um, yeah, you certainly feel the altitude uh, coming from Melbourne. Very different conditions to what the players would expect in China, but just give us a feel of what the top eight who have qualified are going to experience, because a lot of them wouldn't have probably played in this city of Mexico. Yeah, I, I think for all of them, uh, I may be wrong, but I, I think for, for all of them, it's the first time that they're playing uh, at this venue in Guadalajara. Yeah, in terms of the setup, I think they're still... Uh, um, from what I saw when I walked around yesterday, they're still getting some of the stands ready. It, it's a big event. It's probably the biggest event, certainly from the WTA angle, that's been held in Mexico. Um, and, yeah, the, the, there's lots of sort of police presence as well around. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that people are excited. I think um, just seeing the player cars drive around, you can see the enthusiasm um, of the community. So, yeah, everyone's really looking forward to this week. Um, and, uh, yeah, the top eight, fantastic eight players as well um i know there's a couple of good players missing um but i think that you know doesn't lack for quality of the field that's for sure this might be a one-off though they get the wta finals uh, the best eight i mean outside of the four majors this is um, a trophy that you certainly want to get uh, your hands on so may be impacted by covid at all in terms of attendance or can we expect uh, plenty of people showing up look i guess all i've got to judge on that is just to to see the people sort of gathering around places where the players are where when they go to shops it seems like there's a, a, a lot of enthusiasm so i think that'll translate to pretty packed stadiums um and i'm hoping so i think uh, the more atmosphere the better for the the players they've They've earned the right to, to play in front of, I guess, a full stadium. Um, in terms of COVID protocols, that you know everyone's pretty safe. Felt like I was back in Melbourne in terms of when I went into a store, I had to scan, I had to you know get sanitizer. So I feel like the city's ready for it, and there's enthusiasm. So uh, we, we will see some pretty pretty good crowds as well. Now, Shane, you have been a man in demand to the point where you could have had two players possibly that you have had an association with their camps on Jabir and Arena Sabalinka. Sabalinka, we know, is definitely going to be there as the uh, the top seed, and she's had another uh, terrific year. And then Ons, we've learned, obviously, is not going to go as the alternate, deciding to sort of wind up the season, get ready for next year. Just uh, give us a, give us a little bit of a feel of, uh, the Sabalenka camp that you've actually been on the ground because you've worked very much remotely, I suppose, from the coach and uh, the team. And now you actually get to be a little bit more up close and, and personal. And obviously it would have been great to see Ons there, but we would expect her at some stage, if she keeps tracking in the right direction, that she'll no doubt be at the WTA finals in the future. Obviously fantastic to have Arena qualify. Um, we... I think in Melbourne, uh, went to a few of her matches and, and, and the, the doubles final, but I would say probably didn't know a lot of her other than as a spectator. Um, and then, yeah, the whole year, it's very, very strange. Been working very closely with Anton Dubrov. Uh, and I guess 
from afar, seeing a lot of video and data of Arena, but not really having much sort of to do uh, with, with her directly. So uh, it's kind of cool to, to come here. And it's going to be a slightly different experience just going to the training and, and scouting opponents live and, and obviously doing the data analysis stuff still as well. It's a uh, very, very proud to get the opportunity and uh, privileged I, I guess um, and uh, yeah thank Anton sort of uh, for for welcoming me to, to be part of the team and yeah in terms of Ons Jabur I think uh, yeah for for a lot of the season we it was a, it was a great season just uh, you know, consistent throughout the year made finals on you know clay hard court grass uh, won a first title um, and really you know uh, in the semi-final at Indian Wells we, we thought we, we would have qualified with that and then yeah I mean sort of the injury that she got the elbow injury she actually felt it the most against Annette Contavide in that quarterfinal that she ended up winning but it probably cost her withdrew uh, after mid, midway in the match in, in Moscow and, and unfortunately and really can't sort of swing a racket so um, they've decided to pull the pin uh, and focus on getting her ready for the Australian Open so a little bit disappointed there but very very proud of the season uh, it was, uh, it's uh, her career best ranking at, at number seven and, and really uh, we think it's a platform to, to launch um, further next year Give us your own feel of what uh, you expect from the week Sabalenka, Krachikova, Pliskova, Sakari, uh, Sviontek, Muguruza, Medosa, what a year Kondabate, what an end to the year for her I mean she is Arguably the form player, I think it's something like 26 of her last 28 matches won. Give us a little bit of a, a feel for the, the field that is going to be playing this week. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's, a, it's, it's actually a t- tricky one to read because with some players there's been a lot of activity post the US Open and with others that there hasn't been as much. So I'd say, you know, Shrantek, even Pliskova, there probably hasn't been a lot of activity after the US Open. So there's a bit of a question mark there, That um, although they've been obviously focusing on this event, so training hard um, to get there. And then you've got uh, Krajikova, who I think probably the form hasn't been that great since the US Open. So uh, I don't know, she lost um, you know, at the Billie Jean King, I think both the, the singles rubbers she played. So yeah, again, a question mark uh, for her. Um, and then you've got you know, Bedosa, Sakari and... Contivate, who I think are in absolutely cracking form, are going to be very, very hard to beat. Uh, Contivate, last to qualify, arguably goes in favourite, um, just because you know, 26 of 29, the players that she, she's she been beating, very similar players that, that are in the, in the draw, they're that the players that she struggled against are the players that have a lot of variety slice of the bodies, you know, that Jabur, and they're not in, in the field. So Contivate for me, you know, as long as she's not fatigued from that big end of the season, she'll, she'll come in uh, with the confidence that she can beat anyone. Uh, that being said, obviously, uh, I'd like to think Arena. Um, I know she had a little bit of a break, um, partially with uh, the COVID contraction. So uh, she, she hasn't played a lot of matches, but certainly um, trying, trying very hard to acclimatise and focus and, um, with each practice, she's getting better. So, hoping you know that can translate to some some good success as well. Shane, just in your role with uh, Arena Sepalinka, the fact that you're on the ground, and I, I know you know obviously your setup is you know predominantly having that relationship with uh, with the coach more so than you know obviously directly with the player, which is how a lot of the data analysts work. Uh, in tennis, but being on the ground, is there a chance, uh, or do you have the opportunity to spend a bit more time uh, with her in person, just so that uh, that you know, relationship builds even further? How, how does that sort of work with you being in different circumstances this week? Yeah, I think I think so. Um, I, she certainly 
I guess not known of the role. There's actually a number of times during the year when um, Anton's come back and said, "Oh, Arena wants this specific information." So um, she's certainly familiar with the work. It's just yeah, there, there wasn't a lot of direct interaction. Um, whereas this week, I guess being around, she's sort of seeing um, in presence. Actually, we're uh, going to lunch or dinner tomorrow as well. So. Uh, it's it's a good chance to build build the relationship, which is great. Uh, I, I still think ninety five to ninety eight percent of the interaction will continue with Anton, and 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 so it should. I think that's what how it's been successful. Um, where uh, where I think um, you know Anton knows her 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 the best and can communicate and, and pick the moment to communicate certain bits of information, which um, is a skill. And 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 I think that that won't change. But it, it's it's I guess nice as well to. To get to see some of this in in person, and and even even just going to practice and just hearing, you know, the ball off the string, just hearing, um, you know, the movement, it, it adds something that sometimes you don't get watching the video itself. Um, so the, the, this week the courts are playing incredibly fast; it's actually quite bouncy. Sometimes on on camera you you don't pick that up. So um, I think I'm hoping that the the work, the analytics part of it, will be enhanced because of being there in person as well. Well, selection in sport fuels the emotions. Why has a player been picked or why has a player been left out? It generates a passionate conversation, such as the case with James Duckworth, as mentioned, of course, over the last week, certainly on our social channels, having his best year on tour at the age of 29, our second highest-ranked male at 47 in the world, a career-high ranking for James. Out of our six male players inside the top 100, he has the best win-loss ratio on the ATP Tour this year, going at 53%. Alexi Poprin at 51%, Demon Oren Thompson at 50%, John Millman at 46%, but no Davis Cup selection for the guy that is in the best form of his life. As Val Febo has written for the firstserve.com.au this week, maiden ATP final in 2021, defeated three top 20 players, uh, first uh, Grand Slam third round, first Masters 1000 quarterfinal has cracked the top 50. On our social channels in the last week, it has led to a big response from you, the tennis fans, going into bat for ducks. And on the surface, that is a fair call to have that response. I asked if Leighton Hewitt would come on the show tonight and have a chat about the upcoming Davis Cup finals, of which I would no doubt ask a question about the composition of the team. I was told by his management the time slot doesn't suit. I offered to record the chat at a time that suited Leighton, didn't get a response back. So it's my understanding the team is picked by Leighton and Leighton only. It is his right to pick the team in his role as captain. We don't dispute that. The team that he thinks will give Australia the best chance of winning and you never please everyone in selection. Form plays a huge role, of course, in team selection, but as we know, there are other factors behind the scenes that we don't see. Remember the last time Australia played a Davis Cup tie versus Brazil in Adelaide? That was in March of uh, last year. The original team picked was Kyrgios, Demonor, Milman, Thompson and Duckworth, five singles players. Duckworth rewarded with a debut after getting to a career-high 71. Then Kyrgios and Demonor pulled out with injury. John Pearce gets brought back and Alex Bolt gets drafted in. Milman led the team with two wins. Thompson won his singles as well. Pearce and Duckworth were narrowly pipped in the doubles, but Australia won the tie 3-1. I'm curious to understand the reason, so I ask questions and let me tell you, I'd rather ask Leighton directly myself and have a chat, not to ambush. At the end of 2019, James Duckworth and Leighton Hewitt had a disagreement, I'm told. Not 100% clear about what, but I'm told perhaps to do with wildcards. James is one that will voice his opinion more loudly than others. 
Prior to that so-called disagreement, James was the favourite of Leighton's. Ducks lived in Sydney. When Leighton did, they used to hit quite a bit together. Duckworth was in India playing back-to-back challenges in February of last year when he made a semi-final and won and got a call from Leighton after their disagreement a short time before that that he needed him for the Davis Cup tie against Brazil. The tie was played and I'm told there hasn't been any real contact since then, but Leighton, of course, did reach out to let Duckworth know in the last month that he'd missed out on Davis Cup selection. So how much is personality driven, having favourites? We can't be 100% sure, not being on the inner sanctum, but it's an interesting dynamic to try and observe and there are plenty of people who know far more than me that would suggest all is not right in the decision-making. Is it clear to you who should have been left out from that Adelaide winning tie last year that qualified us for the Davis Cup finals that was supposed to be played last year? Demon Orr had to come back in for mine, despite his indifferent year. Still won two titles. Davis Cup will lift him. Popperin had to come back in the team as part of the future, but also for the strides that he has made this year. I have no doubt that Melman has been rewarded for getting us there with his two wins against Brazil when he was asked to step up and actually lead the team. Thompson, I think, has been rewarded for also winning his singles and getting us to the finals. But based on this year's body of work, who has slipped? It would have to be Tomo, losing nine matches in 2021 to players outside the top 100, as Val Fabo said in his article at thefirstserve.com.au. But who is tightest with Leighton? It's probably Jordan. Most would say definitely. For whatever it's worth, in my opinion, Duckworth had to play, despite whatever differences. But that'll continue to play out. The team is picked. We'll see how it goes for the Davis Cup finals for uh, 2021 to be played, of course, in the next uh, few weeks. I need to give uh, Tennis Marketer a mention. Uh, Great supporters of ours, dedicated to helping tennis businesses around the world grow online. Get your website and social media pages professionally set up for you by experts who certainly know their tennis. So go and visit uh, Tennis Marketer. Uh, .com.au and, of course, Asti uh, Tennis Courts. They are trusted by Melbourne Tennis Clubs and Councils. Check out aste.com.au, Melbourne's leading synthetic grass court surface and construction specialists. So much news to get through. Eric, I agree. We need two hours for this show. Thank you for everyone that's called in. Next Gen Finals, that's something to look forward to this week. Some more innovations to come. Elkaraz, Corda, Musetti, Nakashima, Serendolo, Bayez, the Argentinian, Holgarun. And Hugo Gaston, what a run he had at the Paris Masters. Have a great week, everyone. May the sun shine on your tennis and hit them beautifully out of the middle of the streets. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.